Welcome to Live Boldly with Sarah Schulten Kranz, a survivor, thriver, adventurer, and believer in all things possible. My mission is to guide others to live their life boldly, regardless of circumstances. I believe we all have the power to overcome and lead joy-filled, happy lives. Recorded from the trail or in my office, I share inspiring stories from everyday people because we all deserve to be heard. You will also hear from handpicked professionals ready to guide you beside me. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hi, friend. It is the very last podcast of 2019. I am just just sitting in awe of that. As we enter 2020, a whole new decade, a whole new time in our life, I want you just to take a pause and to really think about how do you want to embrace this time? There are three words that I am using um, in entering into my 2020, and they are, you ready for this? Play, receive, and create. This is a new time in my life where I am in the process of writing a book. I have so many big things happening and um, really allowing myself to generate from that space has been creating an awful lot of amazing material, I do have to say, which I cannot wait to bring to all of you. So in this podcast, I got to actually sit here with my beautiful friend, uh, Melanie McCulley. She is a spiritual therapist and a lifestyle coach. We ended up having the most descriptive, beautiful, deep dive conversation on a Friday night, the last Friday of 2019. And I am so excited to share it with all of you. She um, really goes deep diving into her early childhood traumas. She talks about moving out at the age of 15, about working through her own addictions in life, her own process of healing and strength, and how she does now um, spiritual mentoring for um, other people, other women and men in her own life. She specializes in utilizing spiritual practice methods that have proven true in her own personal transformation by way of intention-based counseling, meditation, the life visioning process, and the use of affirmative prayer. So I want to really have you grab your journal and a um, pen, a pencil, your favorite marker, and also a cup of your favorite drink. If it is, who knows, tea, coffee, wine, stay away from the soda. It's not that good for you. But whatever works for you works for you. And I want you to um, cozy up and listen to this amazing conversation with the incredible Melanie McCulley. Hey, everybody. And we are here with Melanie McCulley. And um, I was just asking you, how do you want to be introduced? And you had this amazing, uh, like, I don't even know how, I don't even know how to explain it. There were so many things that you just nailed about like, like what you do and who you are. So I'm going to give it to you. How would you describe yourself? Well, first of all, thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, so it's really difficult for me to put a title or a label on myself because I feel like there's so many different brands and colors of who I've been and what I've overcome and who I am now. And so I feel like I'm, um, I've recovered from about just about everything. So from being raised in a very organized religion, from drug and alcohol addiction, uh, thriving after the sex industry, um, just obviously, hopefully learning through relationships. And then now I am a spiritual practitioner and a spiritual therapist. So now I give back to others what was given to me when I was younger. 
So I've also was a manicurist and owned a salon for 22 years. So that's really where my connection one-on-one speaking with people became very comfortable. Yeah, I've heard you're amazing. Thank I've you. seen your work. It's incredible. Thank you. It's beautiful. I'm so excited to have you here. Yeah, me too. We met uh, in a very weird way. Um, I'm going to tell that story if you don't care. No, don't please. It, yeah. it was wild. I was walking down the street with my dog, actually, mm-hmm. who just unfortunately passed away on Christmas Day. So that was very sad. And um, you, we were t- looking at the moon. Yeah. And you and your... My boyfriend at the time is a photographer, and he was taking photographs of the blood moon. And our neighbor was standing outside, and he introduced you and I. And we met, talked for a minute, and you loved this photograph that... Uh, my boyfriend at the time had taken of the moon, so we exchanged numbers, and I texted you the photo. Yeah. And you literally, you know, when we talked, you lived just down the street. That was it. And then fast forward almost a year. It was. It was about a year later. Yeah. And then we exchanged numbers. We were in... Ba- we were in Portsmouth. We were in Portsmouth. Working with the same coach, yep. Amber Lilliestrom. Yep. And then all of a sudden, she texted me your... You texted me your information. Yeah, I, got, I felt like I, yeah, I got your number for the first time. And then when I put your number in, that photograph of the moon came up. And I'm like, oh, my God. We met before. We met before. <laughs> so funny. It's so funny. And I walked over here. You live, like, six houses down from it's my house. It's amazing. It's so crazy. cool. It's crazy. The world yeah. works in mysterious ways, and it's awesome and so beautiful. Yeah. So I want to have a really um, in-depth, beautiful conversation with you about, um, as we were talking earlier, about just living through your traumas. Mm-hmm. And actually, uh, instead of, in place of judging what you've been through, um, really honoring them mm-hmm. and going through the process of looking at your traumas and your life experiences is something to learn from and help others through. Absolutely. So where I am today and what I can say about how I feel about the quote unquote traumas that have you know occurred throughout my life. Um, I don't call them traumas anymore. I call them my biggest assets. Mm, that's and, amazing. and the reason why is because I kept all of those things secrets for my whole life because I didn't want people to know what had happened to me, you know, choices I had made, things that had occurred in my life. I felt like if people knew the whole story about me, they would judge me. Mm. And so I kept most of my life secret and I was like a chameleon to whoever I, whatever group I was around. So I would be a people pleaser. You know, I would would show up as whatever I needed to be at that time. And it wasn't until my late twenties, um, when I went to a center for spiritual living when I was living in uh, Seattle and I was sober at the time. And uh, there was something that was said in this spiritual center that just kind of sparked an opening with me. And anyways, from there, that's really kind of like where my, my opening of like my spiritual journey started with trying to like meditate, which was hilarious the first time trying to do that. But it's been this ongoing exploration of all the things that I've kept secret, I realized are my deepest points of connection with people. Yeah. That is where I, that is where when I tell my story of whatever one of those is, I instantly become more human to the person sitting in front of me. And then we now have a conversation, Mm -hmm. you know, because regardless of where we come from or what we've been through, we in the human condition, no one is exempt from quote unquote trauma. Of course. We all have some something that has affected us greatly or deeply in our lives, and not any one worse or better or greater than the other. All of them are valid mm-hmm. to the individual, right? So I think that by this movement that's been going on, especially in technology now, social media, people sharing their stories, I think it's very powerful 
because it's connecting people in a much deeper way. Yeah. You know, yeah. the disease of comparison isn't as bad because now people can actually feel a deeper connection with people telling their quote unquote deepest, darkest secrets. But those are the things that allow us to connect and to heal essentially. Yeah. There's you, you relate to other people yes. in a very different way. And I need it. Like I realized that my me holding those things back all of my life, all of the different things that had gone on in my life. Um, it takes a lot of work to hide. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. And then you, and then what, what are my, what relationships are really real? Right. And because so, the relationship with yourself, you start questioning that. That's right. Can you truly be on, can you truly be authentic with another human being when you're not even that authentic and vulnerable with yourself? Mm -hmm. And those words, authentic, vulnerable, mindful, all those words that are really used a lot more now, those are really scary words. Mm -hmm. Because to fully step into those ways of being takes practice. Yeah. And it takes vigilant practice. And, you know, that also means being willing to be uncomfortable with the stuff that you've kept secret for a long time. You're pretty much giving everybody the introduction to my book right now, which you don't even know. <laughs> I didn't but know. But this, is, this <laughs> is actually what I talk about in the introduction to my book. Yeah. Is exactly this. We have a com I, I have a conversation with the reader about this mm -hmm. and how in place of judging, because judgment is something that we do so often as human beings to protect ourselves. And, and also for a lot of people, it holds them in that protective state of being a victim. Mm -hmm. And because for a lot of people, they feel comfortable there to get truly authentic and to get truly vulnerable and to go to that space of survivor can be very exhausting. It, it, it's a lot of work. Like, I know it's been a lot of work for me mm -hmm. to step into this space. And also, that's where you have that true connection with yourself. And that's also how you have true connection with other people. Mm -hmm. You literally, though, gave everybody the introduction to my book. And you're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. It's a good book. I can't wait to read it. It's really going to be a good book. And what you said about, um, oh, what you said about doing the work and it being really uncomfortable, what happens along that journey, though, when you're, you know, making this choice to change mm -hmm. because getting into any new practice whether you're practicing yoga or practicing a new workout at the gym or a new way of eating or whatever it is it takes a daily and sometimes moment by moment decision to make to you know establish this new way this new habit this new way of being what happens is when you're really starting to do that inner work people around you that you have been around for a long time get wildly uncomfortable with your change Oh, do you think? And so when you said earlier, <laughs> yes. yes, I've I've had yes. I've had to I say lovingly release and yes. let go of a lot of people who I thought would be in my life forever, but some people are not comfortable with that change. I'll speak for myself that I went through because they are more comfortable with the older version of myself. Yes. And so when I begin to speak in a different way and live in a different way and act a different way, it literally shakes up you know, it rattles the, you know, the demon in their cage mm -hmm. because then I'm now I'm having deeper, more open conversations. They're like, where did this chick come from? She right. used to talk like this. Like she was my party friend or she was this or whatever. Yes. And that's not the space that I'm choosing to live in anymore. So with that, it's also very painful because I've had to let a lot of people go. But what that has done is it has made the space, the opening. I met you. For the new people to come in. and that's, Which is really that's exciting. That's really been the last few years of my life. Like yeah. Like four or five years I've been having the courage to step into these arenas of these powerful women doing what I want to do, doing what I'm also called to do, which is be authentic mm -hmm. and share their heart. 
mm-hmm. and share their story, which is super scary. It's super scary. Yeah, but it's 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 been a huge blessing, and it's just so every time like when I meet someone like you, it's a confirmation from yeah. spirit. Yeah. I call God spirit. So I spirit's like that. nodding, like yep, you got it. Keep going. You're meeting another person that you can have these conversations with and not seem weird. Yeah, no, this is makes complete sense to me. Yeah. A thousand percent. I've talked to you about that. Mm-hmm. You know, when I went through my divorce and through my divorce is how I got into this work, mm-hmm. right? Like ha- going through the pro- my own process of healing and then deciding I'm going to start a business and I want to share my story and I want to do something that nobody else has done and I want to guide in the Grand Canyon and I want to help, you know, others people heal through the power of nature and to transform their lives and all the things People, there were a lot of people that looked at me like, you're nuts. You're 40 years old and you're doing what? Right. And at that same time, for me, it was, it was a beautiful place of just saying, you know what? I, I'm stepping into a space that, that is fully me that I've never even experienced before. Mm -hmm. And I love me more now than I've ever, I've never, I've never felt this way about myself before. Well, the teacher always teaches most what they need to learn. Uh Uh-huh. So, you know, for me working with others, doing prayer work with others, being a spiritual practitioner now, sitting with others and doing like this deep soul-filled, you know, work with people is what keeps me in check too. Mm -hmm. It keeps me, you know, rigorously honest with myself. Yeah. And also keeps me deeply connected to that part of myself that I don't ever reject, you know, those old, that old, those old versions of myself because there's many of them. Right. You know? But the but that girl just needs a big hug. Yeah. You know? I went on a date last night. <laughs> I time to throw this in there, actually. This is very interesting. I went on a date last night and I had a conversation with the man um sitting across from me. And I had never gone out with him before. Had a great conversation and this was brought up. And he actually said, How, like we continuously learn more about ourselves. And just through the power of conversation that we were having, he was having these like aha moments. And then I would have this aha moment. And it was so cool because I'm like, wow. What a nice exchange. I know, right? It was, it was, it was, it was a great first day. Mm -hmm. And it was really fun though to actually, and it was fun. Like I call this work fun. And it was fun to actually hear somebody say, wow, I'm such and such an age, 50 something years old he is. Mm -hmm. And he said, and here I am having this whole new version of like, I didn't even know that about me. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's so cool. But I think that when, for me, with family members, because I come from a Jehovah's Witness background, and a lot of them are still practicing, and um, even though I don't believe in that faith, I have massive respect for them, but I just choose not to be in that belief system, right? So as I've continued to move through my spiritual work with family members and with old friends, it makes people uncomfortable to watch you set yourself free. Yeah. Because changing my career at 40 and, you know, I closed my nail salon, which was my vision, which was my dream, which was my baby. It was gorgeous. But I closed it almost four years ago so I could go back to school to become a spiritual therapist. And people are like, what are you doing? Like, why would you do that? I'm like, because I don't wake up happy in the morning doing this anymore. Yeah. Like, I know that there's something not so much greater, not to, not to say that what I had wasn't great, but it wasn't fulfilling me anymore. Right. And so to have that courage to literally change everything and take this huge risk is really scary. And for a lot of human beings, it's easier to stay where they are because it's too scary to change and take those risks. And I get it. Yeah. Because I've stayed through many times in my life in those 
positions, whether it be through the work that I was doing or, you know, toxic relationships or whatever, or habits, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the courage to, to change everything is really scary. Yeah. So when, so when you do it, some people are like your cheerleaders and some are like, what is she thinking? That's too wild. Yeah. You know what I mean? I totally know what you mean. It's like, but this is not a dress rehearsal here. Like I don't get a redo. <laughs> this is like my one shot. To like do I think this I thing. I actually wrote that in my intro too. Oh <laughs> Something very similar to the bat. <laughs> That's, That's how I really feel. Funny. I dated a guy when I was twenty oh, years old. He was awesome. thirty three, and he told me that life is not a dress rehearsal, and that you only get one shot to take all the risks you ever want to take, and don't give a shit about what anybody else thinks. My son actually told me. That's always me. stuck with me. Of course, and my son, my son. This is where this came from in my intro too. My son told me that I am probably one of the most stubborn people he's ever met, and I remember when he said that it was like somebody took a, a you know knife and like stabbed me in the heart. I was like, that's horrible. <laughs> and now I realize, and and finally, it took me years later for me to sit there with him and say. I get what you meant now. Like that stubborn piece of me is also what has not allowed me why I haven't decided to just what I call sit in the shit. Like yeah. I'm like, you know what? Life is too short. Mm-hmm. I want to dance and enjoy the journey yeah. and I'm not going to sit in the shit. Like right. it just, I'll process it quickly and I'll go through the steps that I need to and move through it and accept yeah. everything as it is and learn from it and grow. But I'm not going to sit there for very long because yeah. There is so much amazingness out there. That's right. It reminds me of this poem that I love so much. It's called The Guest House by Rumi. I love that. I love it because what it says to me is that, you know, I'm going through a separation from a relationship right now. And so I am choosing to be in whatever emotion comes up, which is not comfortable Mm -hmm. and not how I used to work through things. Like I was an escape artist being, you know, an ex- drug addict and alcoholic when I was very, very young, you know, I, I knew how to escape. Yeah. I don't do that anymore. I have to be in it. The only way through it, the only way around it is through it. Yeah. And so what I know now though, is that I don't have to sit in the shit. It's just, it's transitory. Mm -hmm. The feeling, the emotion, the thing comes like a guest to your house, meaning your consciousness, your body, your, 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 your beautiful self. And you get to greet it. And you yeah. get to be with it, talk to a homie, talk to a coach, do some meditation, exercise through it, journal, but then allow it to leave out the back door and don't let it set up a freaking cot in my house <laughs> and stay for a little too fucking long. Yep. My no, you're good. You know you're what good. I mean? Totally. But I've done that too long in my life and that's where the victim stuff comes in because then right. I get into the blame game and now, and now I'm not taking accountability, but you know, it's also this beautiful flow of knowing that, okay, everything that does show up for me the seeming good or seeming bad feelings, because there's no good or bad, they all are, there just is, you know, I get to honor them, process them, and eventually I'm going to get the nugget out of it. Yeah. There's always a nugget. There's always a nugget. You just got to be willing to do the work. There's always a nugget. And get through it to the point where you're like, ah, now I see. There's a book that Wayne Dyer wrote a long time ago called, um, I Can See Clearly Now. And it's all about his life from a little boy up until that point in his life, but he, he, he dissected every single thing that he went through in his life that led up to who he was at that time, that all of it was necessary. Mm-hmm. Every single thing was a breadcrumb leading to the next thing. Even if it was someone he had had a conversation with that introduced him in that moment to the other person that he then had to meet that was going to sign his, you know, sign him for a book. It's wild. It's all connected. It's so amazing too. Yeah. 
I I talk about I've that. been watching it happen with you. So oh I see my it. gosh. I'm like, oh, okay, I thought I was going south. No, nah, now I'm going southeast because somebody pointed me that way. Yeah. And it's the coolest thing. Mm-hmm. And again, that's inviting it in yeah. and listening to it and accepting what's being brought to you. So I want to get into um talking a little bit about your past. Some nuggets. Some nuggets. <laughs> uh, but uh, let me let me ask you this first. Um, and would you like to guide us through um, a prayer? I would. So, first of all, I'm a, um, uh, an agape licensed spiritual practitioner under the teachings of Michael Bernard Beckwith um, at the Agape International Spiritual Center in Los Angeles. And I started going there in 2008 when I moved uh, to L.A. from Seattle and it literally changed my life. I was in a 12-step program at the time, and my sponsor was like, I think there's a spiritual center you should go check out. And I went, and the first time I went, I was like, this place is way too loving. People are hugging me way too much. I'm never going back there again. These people are crazy. And I left there, and I'm like, I have to go back. Because I was like, there's no way all these people are that kind and beautiful and amazing and different and vast and different ethnicities and backgrounds and... To me, that was beautiful because the way I was raised was a very conditional way of, mm-hmm. of believing, you know? So anyways, through that, I started working with a spiritual practitioner myself, probably about six months after going. And the profound change that I had within me, different from any counselor, therapist, sponsor, all of the years, because I moved out very young at 15, and my sister at the time had me start going to a therapist very young, through all of the years of all the therapy and all the stuff I went through, me working with a spiritual practitioner was the biggest game changer I ever had. Because the way that she spoke to me, the way that she affirmed me, the way that she reminded me of the truths about me that I had simply forgotten about, which is what a practitioner does, and the way that she prayed was so specific and individualized, it was it redefined the whole idea of what prayer was for me. Right. Because I used to even hate the word prayer. I mean, I wouldn't go to a church. I didn't like the word God. I was had these, like, it was like my nervous system was stamped with, like, old beliefs that weren't mine, but I didn't have any new ones that, that felt good to me. Right, right. I, I hear you. And so I had to find what worked for me. And, and as human beings born with free will, we get to do that. Yeah. So that's, that. just to piggyback, that's how that started. And then I started taking classes and then that turned into five years of taking classes. And then I had all my prerequisites to become a practitioner. And then to become a practitioner, you have to have a couple letters of recommendation to get into the two-year intensive with Reverend Michael and all the amazing teachers there. And so I did that. Wow. And it was intense, but the best work I've ever done. And it's what I'm meant to do it's with amazing. people. It's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. That's beautiful. It's, it's most, it's like it, it. I didn't know it far that. surpasses Disneyland being the happiest place on earth. I can tell you that much. <laughs> well, I didn't even know. <laughs> sorry, this part. Mickey. I know. I, I'm sorry, Mickey. I didn't even. I didn't even know this part about you. Yeah, I, I mean that's that's, that, that's, that's that's incredible, and that's part of why when you asked me to do this, you know, there's every part of me that uh, that has been hiding behind the curtain that said, no, maybe you should reschedule it. You know, you're going out of town tomorrow. Da da da. But the other part of me. That sweet, small little voice that always has the right answer Mm -hmm. said, just go. She's literally six houses down. (laughs) She just texted you and said, we're going to have a blast. (laughs) I told you you could wear your pajamas. (laughs) I know. I'm like, I'm "I'm in mine. I'm going. I'm literally in my pajamas right now. (laughs) 
I know. It's great. It's, it's like, great. I had my robe on, and then I thought I should dress up a little bit, so I put my pajamas on. Very cute. They look great. <laughs> Thanks. They're very cute pajamas. Yeah. So, um, and I love that, because I, here's the thing, is like, there's so many different parts of me that people didn't know either. Mm-hmm. And through this own, my own transformation over the last, like, six years, I have been able to show more of that. And it's scary. And at the same time, it's the most beautiful thing because that's who I've been. I just haven't allowed myself or given myself yeah. permission to actually share it with the world. Sure, me too. And that's and where I, is. I have, I have, I have all these things. That and then you, I, I become overwhelmed because like, where do I start? Because I have all these different facets that I feel like I have these areas in which I can serve others, growth mm-hmm. and healing, but I don't know where to start. So then I become overwhelmed, and I'm just like. I'll just watch everybody else Mm -hmm. because I don't know where to start. Mm -hmm. So it's beautiful. And the dialogue that I have with you and a lot of the other women I've met through Amber's work and some other coaching, you know, women that are, that have taken the lead before me, give me permission to do the same. Yeah. And so I thank you for that because you're one of those that's like doing it. I've been watching you for almost two years now in the realm of our same coach and it's beautiful. Yeah. And you're, and you're, 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 just your presence with all of it and your confidence with it is showing that you're, you. it's not work. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. It's been a blast. It's play. You told it's, me earlier it's, it's play. It's absolute play. It's absolute play. I can tell when I'm in my work zone, quote unquote, mm-hmm. and then when I'm like, I am fully aligned and in my play and just like really having fun with it. And that's when, that's when everything opens up. That's when I know I'm in the flow. Yeah. I'm in the flow. Yeah. Like today I was on the water crying about our dog Barkley and I literally I have a deep connection with nature like clearly mm-hmm. that's my space um that's also my church that's become that's become my spirit space it's become everything and I had this conversation with Barkley and I said could you do me a favor because I was crying I was so upset and I mm-hmm. said could you please just send me some dolphins so I know that you're here and can you please just like make me feel better this way and all of a sudden, I'm paddling in, and to the right of me, this huge pot of dolphins just oh. came out of nowhere. And they were just flipping and playing, just like he used to do. Like, jumping up, he would jump up onto stuff. And I was like, oh, my God, that's you. Yeah, that's it's you. Beautiful. It's beautiful. And we have such deep connections with animals and, mm-hmm. you know, spirits. and all. Different. Everybody has their thing. Yeah. It's just literally about just you know, tapping into it and giving yourself yeah. permission to. And receiving it in a way that you get it and you understand it. Because yeah. like you said, everyone receives it in a different way. And through asking the questions, which my question is, you know, spirit, please speak to me in a way that I can understand. Mm-hmm. And for mm-hmm. some people that's hearing, for some people that's seeing, for some people that's sensing, you know, so for some people it's definitely through nature. Yeah. But it's allowing yourself to get that way of communication from all of this beauty that we're connected to that's not just here in the material in front of us right there's so much more happening energetically that we're connected to that's always loving us supporting us that has our back mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I also talk to my ancestors i call forth my oh, spirit I guides i call forth time. my my ancestors and i also throw in there and any other available not so busy angels that might have a little extra time <laughs> to help me out I'm, I'm, I, I'm ready and willing to I'm, accept. I, I'll take you. I will receive. Yeah, I will receive. Because, <laughs> you know, Gabriel and Michael, you know, I know they're real busy. They get a lot of requests. But there's other ones out there that they might have a little extra time. Requests. <laughs> they 
They do. They get a lot of requests. They do. Everybody knows them. Yeah. <laughs> like, exactly. But there's, there's called, it's called the unknown angels. I'm like, I'll take it. I'll take them all. Yeah. <laughs> We do that actually in the canyon a lot. We're, when we're I'm guiding the Grand Canyon, we call on them a lot, mm-hmm. and you would you'd be shocked at what what shows up. Yeah, it's the coolest thing in whatever form it's meant to show up in. If it's you know birds that swoop over like right down, black crows that will just come out of nowhere to just it's you know hummingbirds which they don't normally see in the canyon. I love obviously, hummingbirds. Those are my um, little cardinals, my blue favorite. jays. It's wild what we see down there. Yeah. I'm going on one of those trips. Oh, there's so much it's fun. It's on my list. There's so much fun. There, it's that's my that's my space, obviously. That in the ocean. Yeah. That in the ocean. It's my space. It's awesome. And it's beautiful if that's where you've created from. That that's where you've created your business from. And that's four miles offshore, baby. Yeah. Uh-huh. I talk about that in the intro to my book. Four miles offshore, that's where it came from. Mm-hmm. And then I remember sitting there and talking to somebody once, a guy friend of mine, and I said I think this is what I want to do. Like, I want to start guiding people out in the mountains, in the Grand Canyon. And he was like, please, oh my gosh, yes, do it. People need it. People need this. And because he watched me, he watched me out there. You know, he could see I would be in the middle of nowhere and all of a sudden this big whale would come out of nowhere and it would just be like, you know, mama and baby right under my board. And I would be connecting through the eye and literally like having conversations just visually with with these animals Mm. and it's it's cool and I was and people it's awesome that I can allow myself to get to that place and give other people the experience to do Mm. that too absolutely because that's where we that's where we really find our zen yeah this is not this is not the real world that we sit in the real world is out there Mm -hmm. I agree so nature has always been my homeboy as well that's my homeboy. <laughs> All right, let's. I love it. So let's go through a prayer. Okay. So this. So what? I'll, what I'll do real quick is just what we call um, at agape. They call it an evocation, which is when we. Um, it's an opening blessing. I love it. So I'm. Act- I'm actually going to ask you to hold my hands. Oh, absolutely. So let's just take a conscious and deliberate breath together, and just anchoring us into this beautiful present moment. And just becoming aware for a moment that our hearts are beating and that our body is being breathed. And that without us even having to think about it, the food in our bellies are being digested. And that life is happening right here where we are. We don't even have to think about how we're being taken care of in the next moment. It's just happening. And so we just open our hearts in gratitude right now, knowing that all is truly well in every moment. And with gratitude, we are always led back to love. We are always led back to the truth. And so in this moment, I just simply take this time with Sarah and all of the beautiful beings listening to my words, knowing that this is a beautiful podcast, that everything that needs to be said is said, that everything that needs to be heard is heard, and that in the midst of anything that may be going on in the world of appearances with anyone that might be listening, that there is always one thing happening, and that is the interconnectedness of each and every human being on this planet. This common, beautiful thread that connects each and every one of us beyond our stories are our hearts and our hearts are connected. And so I bless this time. I bless all those who are struggling or going through anything right now that may need extra love that we we extend that through our voices through this podcast. And so I just bless Sarah, too, for her continuous and authentic and brave yes that she is answering on this planet that her continued yes in her work is like a ripple effect that goes out and affects all of those that she comes into contact with. And so with that, we just give thanks in advance for this beautiful time spent together. 
knowing that it is already good, it's already done, and we can release this into this living, loving, and lawful universe that is always conspiring for the best and highest good for each and every one of us. And I simply say, and so it is. Amen. Amen. Oh, you are so beautiful. You are so beautiful. If anyone would have ever told me this is what I was going to be when I grew up, I would have been like, you're crazy. But it's, I love it. It's my heart. That was, it was music. It was absolutely beautiful. Thank Thank you. you. (laughs) It doesn't feel so beautiful though when you hear your name. Thank you. Like when my first practitioner I ever worked with, Amy Perry, I love her. I worked with her every week for six months. I would drive from Rancho Palos Verdes where I lived all the way to Echo Park and sit in her little apartment with this hummingbird feeder outside. So I love hummingbirds now. And she would speak the opening blessing like that for me and use my name and remind me of how wonderful I am and how beautiful I am and how loved I am and how regardless of what's going on, the truth about me, regardless of what's happening, is already perfect and whole. And I'd never been talked to like that before, especially with with the word God used in the same sentence, because the God I was raised to believe in was kind of pissed off at me all the time you know so it's like I could never get it right with God right you know and so now it's like I've learned to redefine that and live in its beauty all the time because I was created out of the image and likeness of it we all were Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know if 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 God was the ocean then we are all a a drop of the ocean we're all a cup of it Mm -hmm. I love that idea of it that's amazing Okay, so go there. So tell me, start with, um, will you start with every, wherever you would like to start with? But I love the fact that, that you already kind of have talked a little bit about the whole Jehovah's Witnesses. Yeah. Okay, so go there. I want to hear about this. So I was raised, my, my parents got married really young, and, um, you know, my dad was eight, uh, 19, my mom was 17. There's six of us kids. They're still together, 53 years. I have massive respect for that. They had six of us over 20 years, and... They raised us consistently the same in this very, nowadays, or, you know, it's very difficult to raise children in this religion. There's no holidays, you know, no saluting the flag, there's no blood transfusions. And, and I'm going to premise all of this with, you know, if you spoke to some of my other siblings that aren't in this religion, they wouldn't have the same outlook on it that I do. I don't hold any nastiness with it. Right. I used to, but I don't anymore, because it was the foundation in which led me to where I am. It also led me to learn massive forgiveness. And because I have so many siblings and so many personalities in my family, and we've gone through so much seeming disconnection with the way that people are disfellowshipped and excommunicated in that religion, your loved ones, there's so there was so much rich soil there for me that I didn't realize at the time for me to be working in mm-hmm. with the work that I do now. Mm-hmm. You know, and love is always the answer. Right. And so I continued to do that work, you know, throughout my life and um, have been able to practice massive forgiveness around that. And I have a really beautiful relationship with my family now, but it wasn't always that way. So when I was very young, um, I rebelled against that religion. My two older uh, sisters had left the faith and were uh, excommunicated. That made me hate the religion because I didn't. That's when I started to hate God. Because how could, in the name of God, why would my sisters be allowed to be shunned? Right. So for me, that, that was at a very young age. I started rebelling, running away, and basically uh, 
basically my dad was like, you know, if you're not going to practice the laws of Jehovah and live by the rules of my house, you got to go. And I was like, I'm out of here. I was 15. I thought I knew everything because all teenagers do. You left your house at 15. I didn't even know how sex worked. I didn't know what drugs were. I had been homeschooled. I was so naive and so young. And so Where did you go? I moved in with one of my sisters. Okay. And so God bless her. You know, I was 15. She was 26 and really tried to do her best to like put me into public school and buy me new clothes and like give me this new opportunity. But I was like a bird let out of a cage. I was like, I want to try all of it now. Right. I want to smoke, do drugs. I like girls. I like boys. I just didn't, didn't know. Florida. Florida. Okay. That's where I'm from. Florida. Okay. Right. And so I just was like off the chains. I like. I was like. I was like. I I was dabbling in all of it because I was always told that told no to everything. So everything was so interesting to me. I mean, I wasn't even watching cable TV. Right. So I was literally like. You know, you were thrown into it. Yes, and I loved every second of it in the beginning. And it felt really it was good. Awesome. I I I experienced freedom for the first time. I experienced being able to get to know people in a way that you know I wasn't even allowed to associate with the kids in my neighborhood because they were not of the same faith. So I mean, it was very very strict the way I was raised. And again, my parents did the best they could with what they knew, with the way that they were trying to rewrite the script from how they were raised. So can I just tell you? Like, can I just stop really quick for yeah. just a moment there and. And thank you for not placing so much judgment on them and the fact that you're looking at them as if they did the best that they could at the time. And I do the same with my Mm -hmm. parents. I do the exact same thing. Well, the, the other thing, too, and not only did they do the best they could at the time, both of my parents have gone through crazy trauma as children right but they did not continue that cycle with us kids right they changed the cycle by embracing this religion that to them brings them great great faith and hope that's not my faith and my hope but that's what i got to decide later as an adult right Mm -hmm. but they literally did the best they could one and then two the other thing that i've realized is the reason why i'm going to give myself some kudos and my siblings that were all so rad is because of my parents. Right. Same. So it's yep. like, I take what works. This is Reverend Michael talks about this. Yep. He talks about when you're, when you're letting something go, releasing anything, whether it's a relationship or, or, or an old belief system or whatever, he goes, the first thing is that you accept what's happening. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't believe this. This, isn't, this job is ending. This relationship is ending. This pet or this loved one died. And then literally you, you sit in gratitude and you harvest all the good from it. Yep. You literally, it's a practice that you harvest all the good. And then he says, and then you leave all the rest because you can't do anything about the rest anymore. Right. The rest is over. Right. Right. And you're honoring the fact that you lived through that experience. Mm -hmm. And 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 that's the beautiful piece of it because Mm -hmm. that's where you also learn. That's where you grow. Yeah. And that's where your transformation from that experience actually happens. Absolutely. And and so thank you for that. My whole thing is I need to get the nugget out of all of it. You know, like anything that I've ever gone through. Like there, it, nothing has happened to me, you know, or, you know, this, I, I live in a loving, friendly universe. Like spirit has my back. I am not the victim of, of everything. Like things happen. Has shitty things happened in my life? Yes. Are they valid? Yes. Were, was, was it cool? Those, th- some of those things happened to me? No, but it didn't happen because I'm being punished or because I'm a victim of something. Right. You know, they're happening for you. In, in, in essence, once to, you can get to that point. Yes. And that's a tough one to swallow. It's a tough one to swallow is right. <laughs> and yeah. look at where you are. Totally. I, I, I get to be free. Mm-hmm. You know, because that's for many years of my too, life, right? I, I wasn't. I, 
I kept myself chained to drugs and alcohol because that was my escape from feeling the deep feelings that I didn't know how to process. The feelings of not being worthy, being abandoned, not being loved, not being good enough. Uh, everything was so black and white and conditional with the way I was raised. You know, so it was like, it was either I was in or out. And so every, every circle of people I was in, I, it was like always trying to get acceptance and feeling good enough, loved and, you know, all those things. And now I, I don't have to, I don't have to do that anymore. Right. I was born worthy. Yeah. I don't have to try to get it. Yeah. Which, how great is that? It's amazing. You know, I know, I know women raising their children to believe that now. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, how beautiful as a child, my good friend Erin raises both of her daughters with that kind of like belief that you can do, be, and have whatever you want because you already have everything that you ever wanted or needed already in you. It's your divine birthright to express it. Yep. How kick-ass is that? <laughs> I mean, I'm just getting that now in the last, you know, five, ten years of my life, but... Yeah, I, I hear you on that one, too. <laughs> It's pretty pretty great. It's great. It, it it's a very it's it's a it's a practice. That is a practice. My mm -hmm. self worth, man. My self worth post everything was, uh, it was I it was really bad. Yeah. It was really bad. And I'm finally to that place. Mm -hmm. There's a few things that I'm still working on, which I will share at some point. But yeah. there's definitely a few things where I'm like, okay, I'm worthy of this. Like mm -hmm. I'm actually worthy of the deepest thing that I didn't want to fully step into and look at because it was scary and I'm finally there yeah it's like that last piece where I'm like okay I mean there's always more right sure. there's always more um, but, but, but this the, was but the edges one. get this softened is, on a right. little bit yeah absolutely absolutely yeah. it still always comes up for least things from my past still always come up but they don't take me down like they used to mm -hmm. correct you know now I have the tools and the loving self-compassion to work through it yeah i didn't have that before yeah and i have a tribe of people in my life that also i can reach out to that help me because the other thing is that we are not meant to do this alone no yeah right exactly so keep going from your go back to um so i moved on at 18 yeah. i was living with my sister and very quickly discovered uh drugs i, I got into using a lot of uh, psychedelics, mushrooms, LSD, and um, ecstasy. Where was... were you six years ago when I needed to know about this stuff? <laughs> well, see, now I use it for plant medicine, which is totally different. But, but back then, it was not. I, I, I needed to know. I was in a nightclub. Well, no, but I mean, I was like, what the hell is this? What, 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 is, my, what is my husband now? What is this? Like, oh, I, gosh. Not because I needed to I'm glad I got it. out of my I needed, system in the I 90s. I needed to know what, what the hell. Like, what is this stuff? Then? Oh, yeah, I, yeah. Because I... Yeah. I didn't grow up with that. Yeah. So, where were you six years ago? It's interesting. Oh, it's six houses down. Right, that's right. <laughs> I've been there for 10 years, by the way. God almighty. That is so funny. That's hilarious. Okay, so keep going. So I got into those drugs, but I have to say, in the very beginning, it was actually very freeing for me because I was finally able to dance and express and move my body and, and feel free for once. But what I didn't realize then, which I know now, is that all of those feelings, emotions, and ways of being at that time already existed within me. Those drugs just took down the uh, confines right. of me feeling like I couldn't be free without it, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, you know, now, now I know that, but at the time when I'm 15, 16 years old, I didn't. And then, you know, one drug, drug leads to the other, and I quickly got into cocaine and heroin. And wow. um, by 17, I was a regular daily cocaine user. I dropped out of high school. 
dating drug dealers, like that whole thing. I was no longer living with my sister. I was living, you know, with other people and couch surfing and living a drug addict life, really. And I went to a party and any other party, like any other weekend, and it was the sun was up, still up doing drugs, and these two guys who I didn't know gave me what they told me was cocaine, and it was actually heroin. And there was already so much, so many substances in my body that the, those that heroin, I snorted it. It stopped my heart. And so everyone in that house at that party left, except for the two guys who brought me, and they stayed and did CPR on me, and then I ended up having to have my heart, I guess, like, they had to give me the drug that, like, wakes you up from a heroin overdose. And long story short, while I was in the hospital, I was in ICU for, like, four days, I was literally crossing over, which is another secret I kept for years because I was raised to believe that we don't have a soul and that there's nothing after this body. There's no spirit life. And so I literally experienced going through this beautiful, glowing, angelic, loving tunnel. And I was not Melanie. It was not who I am in this human condition. I was literally experiencing light and love and like this pull of just, I'm not afraid of death now because of it. Wow. Because it was the most beautiful experience ever. And there were... At the time, when, when I described it, um, the way I saw it was like, it felt like, uh, like, like these flying, like bird type beings, but now I just feel like they were spirit beings. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I started f- uh, feeling in a like actual physical sense, a pull. And then I started hearing voices asking what my name was. And then I started feeling actual physical pain because they were working on my body. I was coming back into my body and it was like this, like this pull. And then it was gone. Did you want to come back? I didn't know the difference at that point because I didn't understand what was going on. I didn't talk about it for years. I was 17 when that happened. I didn't talk about it until I was in my mid-20s to someone because I started hearing about other people having that experience and I knew that I wasn't crazy. Right, right. Did you think you were crazy? I thought, I just, I just didn't under, I didn't know what to make of it. Right. So I just didn't talk about it because I was afraid that Maybe I was hallucinating from the drugs. You know what I mean? Because the way I was raised was like, well, maybe, you know, well, the way I was raised that, you know, when you die, you go back to the dirt. Right. There's nothing behind this meat suit. Right. Which is crazy to me. Which is crazy. Yeah. Which is crazy. So that's interesting that that happened because, you know, that's something that really... Again, like I didn't know at that moment in that time that was going to be a major nugget for me connecting with spirit later and knowing that I have a greater purpose. That wasn't my time. Right. That wasn't my time to leave. Well, that's why I was asking, was it scary for you to come back? Did you want to? Did you have this pull? I was very angry. Right. Like what were the emotions? What were the emotions? Oh, so angry. You were angry that you came back. I was angry that, yes, I was angry that I was in the state that I was, which was now because I was under 18. You know, the state had to get involved because they're like, why is this girl not living with her parents? You know. Could you go back to that time when you were um, experiencing this? Could you go back? Could you, what was that like for you to actually have gone through this experience where you're sitting there going, okay, I'm having this spiritual something, but you don't exactly know what it is because nobody's ever talked to you about something like that before. I just held, I just kept a secret. I didn't talk about it. I didn't Did you ever it. go back to it, though? Did you yes. ever access it? Yes, I did. And I actually have talked to, a, like, a, quite a few mediums, like, a, you know, to ask. 
and they said that I didn't completely go over, that it was like I was on the ascension, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then my soul had work to do here, so right. I was pulled back in. Right. I, I'm curious, I've had one other really good friend of mine who went through that, um, and he didn't, he didn't want to come back. And he said that he saw, um, he saw his relatives who had already mm. passed over, and there was a pull that brought him back, but he didn't want to. He said he's literally sat there and he's like, I don't want to. I didn't want to either, especially when I started hearing voices and feeling pain because the the, the space that I was in was nameless and changeless. Right. And love. It was and all love. total love. And then it was like, then the human condition started coming back in, although the fear and you know obviously the physical pain and all of that that was happening yeah wow yeah that's beautiful it is beautiful because that's what's well i i know like i know like i know that there's nothing to be afraid of right that you know our relatives are tap dancing on the other side i've never <laughs> had so you know it's so i'm going to i've never had that like I've never had my crossing over where you know I'm in the hospital or wherever it is mm-hmm. and I'm and I'm I'm um going through that spiritual experience mm-hmm. I have had it though where I've stood on you know right on the edge of a cliff and had my spiritual experience of oh my gosh there is something so much bigger and there you know like there's this spiritual existence that literally comes over me and I feel like it's it's absolute complete love like there's nothing else there but me Mm -hmm. and nature and the love and you know the the angels that I can literally feel Mm -hmm. around me Mm -hmm. um I've had that where I had I felt God's arms literally like just embracing me Mm -hmm. and telling me it's going to be okay yes when I was pregnant at 17 Mm -hmm. and I've never shared that. And, um, and it's, it's, it's a different sense, but it is pure. It's just pure love. Like Mm -hmm. I can't even, there, there are no other words to it where you just feel so at peace in that moment Mm -hmm. that you're just like, I'm just here. I'm present and I'm, I'm worthy and I'm, and you're safe and I'm safe. This is Mm -hmm. all I need. Yeah. Wow. It's a beautiful realization to have and to know and to also know that you can always come back to that when stuff gets real shitty. And I have many, many times. That's yes. why I asked you. You come back to it. So, you can know. You, have you been able to access that? I access it. I, I access maybe not that experience, okay, of, the, of, that, of that space over. But I am able to access within my heart. Like, I'm, I've been um, learning heart math. And obviously, I do a lot of meditation and prayer. But what I'm able to access at any moment now is turning within, meaning closing my eyes, taking a breath. That could happen when I'm anywhere. I, I, sometimes if I'm feeling overwhelmed somewhere, I'll go into the bathroom and go to the bathroom stall or in the bathroom. I like take a moment and breathe. I know that. Yeah. And, I'll, and I talk to spirit and I'll be like, I have never been hurt. I've never been harmed and I've never been endangered. I am safe. I'm okay. And regardless of what's going on right now, I'm cool. Mm-hmm. God's got my back. Spirit's got my back. I'm, I'm cool. When I think of anything that's ever happened in my life, and there have been things that have been really scary and obviously close to death and a few of them, you know, even in the midst of that, I was okay. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot to recognize and to realize that like, you know, moment by moment, I get to breathe through this. Right. 
and thank God it's all it's all transitory. It's, it keeps moving. Everything keeps moving. So that's what I have to remind myself is that whatever that is in the moment that I'm feeling overwhelmed with or heavy with or whatever that is, that it's 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 here, but it's on its way out. Yeah. Yeah. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. You know, because then you have to you have to sit in the shit. Right, you have to sit in the shit. Because <laughs> why do we want to do that? <laughs> why we're never taught how not to. Well, exactly. You know, it's yeah. very true because that's that's also that place of judgment, and that's that place of like you know, you, you, it's scary. It's mm-hmm. it's scary going through this process of our own, yeah. you know, realizations and transformations and all all of the things, and flipping over the rock and seeing what's underneath. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. you know, I, I always I always say going through my trash. Yep, Dive and I find so many jewels in there. You know, it's it's not it's not all bad. There's so much beauty in our in our stories i am not the story but i do have a story seriously did you write the introduction of my book already <laughs> like how did you read it and I, I, no. nobody has nobody has read, read it. it nobody has read it it's in my computer and literally like some of these words that you're saying yeah. are in there but y'all should everybody still has to read the book yeah for sure, for sure. <laughs> yeah but this is just really, a, these are just highlights these are the highlights. highlights this is a yellow highlighter it's came just out. crazy because I literally like that's one of the things that I was talking about. We've been doing about. the work, sister. We have been doing the work. <laughs> High five you. Six houses away from each other. <laughs> Seriously. That's Didn't a, even that, know that's it. That's the coolest thing. That's the coolest Maybe thing. Maybe we've been having these high vibe connected thoughts here with when we're, as we're doing the work. I Clearly. Yeah. It's pretty cool. <laughs> clearly. I think it's cool. It's so cool. So keep telling me more about, about so, this. So, so from from there, I had to go through the system now. I had to go through the system because I was a minor, and they put me in Gosh. drug rehab. So uh, I lived, I was supposed to go for uh, like nine months, and I had to wear a uniform, and it was a live-in facility, and I was there for three months because as they went through family counseling with my mom and dad, which was which was court-ordered because Jehovah's Witnesses don't, don't receive uh, therapy or counseling outside of their own church, and basically, the people that were involved were like, "Sorry, we're going to tell you how to parent your kid. You're gonna, you're wow. gonna go, you're gonna get counseling with your daughter," which was one of the healers that helped, wow. you know, me and my family. So, I got my GED while I was in drug rehab, and I gained a lot of weight because I needed to. I still have my uh, my little driver's license picture. I got my driver's license while I was in rehab. Met amazing people. Had profound experiences there. Awakenings. I was exposed to the twelve steps for the first time because they're obviously getting you into meetings and things like that. I had to start wrapping my head around uh, a higher power, which, you know, I had had a lot, I was pretty pissed off at at that point, you know, and that was a whole new way of learning how to live for me. I love the 12 steps. I think every human being on the planet should work them, you know, whether they have a ism or not, it's just a beautiful way to live. Um, I'm not in a 12 step program now, but I'm very thankful and grateful for it in my life. And it has shown up and popped up at, any, at other times in my life that I've needed that needed that uh, support or that place to go. Um, and I'm still very close with all my old sponsors, and I sponsored women in treatment centers, which was really profound. Wow. Because just when you think you don't have a story, that you're not like someone else, you tell your story, and then you have a room of women that are like... Because it's really not about the, the details of the story, right? It's about... The, the feelings that get evoked from it and the experiences that you have yeah. and that connection. It's not about the details. thousand percent. It's about the connection of it. So. thousand percent. Um, but shortly after I got out of rehab, I got out of rehab uh, right before my 17th birthday. And I did what all really he- healthy people do. 
and I started stripping in a strip club because <laughs> that's the best choice. <laughs> what? Totally. This was like back in the night, the Magic Mike days in Florida, where it was kind of like everybody had a day job. And then at night, you either bartended or you danced, whether you're a man or a woman. And all those Magic Mike guys were in town. Like, they, we all lived in the same area. And it was like... But you're not using anymore. Uh, I wasn't I wasn't using drugs. I, w- I was drinking. You were drinking. Yeah. Okay, okay. But I was not... Yeah, okay. I, didn't, I didn't use drugs again until later. But I did again later in my mid-20s. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, that was pretty interesting. But, it, but anyways, that was just a wild situation. Wow. Uh, I'll talk about that at another time because I actually, through my work as a practitioner, when I first moved to L.A., I was secretly dancing to pay the bills. What? In like 2007 and 2008, yeah. And I was going to classes and learning about spirit through agape, and my practitioner was like, because I would go to agape on Wednesday nights. This was when I was 30. And again, I was shameful that I was dancing, but I was, you know, I was a celebrity manicurist during the day and, and, you know, I was, you know, moving and shaking during the day, but like, I had to like pay my rent. I had to like take care of business. And so I would secretly dance a couple nights a week. And so I would go to agape on Wednesday nights and Sundays, but then I would go to the club and I'd be like, I couldn't stand all those people. I had judgment of them. It was like, I felt shameful to be there. I didn't like being there. And my, I talked to my practitioner about it and she was like, listen, Either God is everywhere or God is nowhere. Right. She's right. like, it's either in every situation, place, people, and thing, or it doesn't exist at all. She said, so the next time you go to work, see God in every single person there, in the valet guy, and the managers, and the bartenders, and the girls in the back, like all of them, and have a conversation with them as if you would with someone at Agape. Mm. And I started making so much money. Really? And I wasn't dancing anymore. I was talking. I would, I ended up making really good money. I was on my way out, but it was amazing how my shift changed with the energetic that I brought, which was love and, and allowing people to talk and be seen and be heard because a lot of the people there are, are hurting too. Right. Absolutely. You know what I mean? It's not the healthiest place for everybody to be working and hanging out. No, I totally know. So I, I made beautiful connections there and it was a it was a great experience for me to have to learn that that nugget that right. either God is everywhere or God is nowhere. Right. You weren't connecting through the visual dance. No, I, I didn't even dance anymore. I, I would yeah, sit and talk to people. You're connecting heart to heart. Yeah. And literally having. And they would start telling me their life story. Oh my gosh. Which is what everybody does now. I know. Literally, them. like I will be standing in the middle. I will be standing in the middle of the grocery store. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I'll start up a conversation with somebody over. Yeah, you know, the, in, in the vegetable section. Me too. And all of a sudden, I like people will say, "Why am I telling you all of this?" Well, yeah. Well, because me too. All my friends having... are annoyed whenever we go out because they're like, "Oh, there's Melanie again in the corner. Somebody's over there crying with her again." <laughs> I literally, it's like a magnet. But I, I see it as a great honor. Yes. I love it. I would me never too. ever deny anyone that needs uh needs for me to hold space for them for a moment. No. Yeah. You exactly. know. So for me, it's not annoying, but for my friends, it is. No, it's, it's, it, listen, I've had more conversations on planes next to the people that I, I'm, I'm always that person who's sitting on the plane watching people come onto the plane, sitting there going, okay, I wonder who's going to be sitting next to me yeah. that I'm going to be having a conversation with, because yeah. it's just what happens. Me too. 
My kids get annoyed with me. My kids are always like, really? Really? Mom, do you do have you to have... talk to everybody? I know. I'm like, I don't always talk to people, but people do always talk to me, mm-hmm. which is, it's awesome. Yeah. Just, it's literally about just creating the space for people to actually have the conversation. Yeah. You don't even realize you're doing it anymore. Right. It's just, you know, it's just what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So that's what you were doing. Uh, yeah. I mean, Who would have thought? I've been learning. I've been, but see, I've been learning these things my whole life. And so it's like, it's all, it's all let up. Right. So, you know, the, the, so air- did you have like this aha moment? Like I can take this and, and for start, sure. Like, hello. For sure. I, I can take this outside of this. It also, you know what it also did? It also it. allowed me to leave that, that profession because right. I was in and out of it throughout, you know, on and off my whole life whenever I needed to make money. And, I had so much judgment and shame around it. And I finally decided after I left that because I'd had such a profound connection with just human beings in there, you know. Because that we are all simply human beings. Yes. And it was like it allowed me to not feel ashamed of it anymore because I knew now that that was part of my work too is to connect with people who have been in that industry, obviously especially women, who need healing around that. Yeah. Because I definitely got into it with daddy issues. Girl, this is amazing. I needed, I, I wanted to feel loved and accepted and worthy, and I wanted somebody to take care of me. Right. You know, and it was like, but I had to work through understanding what all that was about. Yeah. You know, there's always a story there's behind the story. There's always a story behind, yes, absolutely. It's literally about peeling it back. Yeah. And, back and also for a lot of women who have, who've gotten stuck in that, in that industry and whatever level that is to know that there's an opportunity to heal and to thrive after that, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know? I also love the fact though, that you talked about this with your father just now. Mm-hmm. And yet you started this entire conversation without judgment on them. I love them. That's you're, you're off to go see them tomorrow. I'm going like, to see them tomorrow, but they don't even know I'm coming. So I'm actually their surprise. Why? My sister's flying me out there. Yeah. And so I'm so excited. They're going to lose their noodle. My sister's having a family dinner on Sunday. Just, you know, the local little family, my aunt, my uncle, and I'm going to be hiding in the back bedroom. And then once everybody's out, she's going to text me and I'm going to walk your, out. Are, are we in the, like the same family? Cause I do this to my family too. Like, we always do this to our family. Yeah, but it's just so fun. You know what it's I mean? It's so much fun. Yeah. I've hidden in the closet, literally, like, <laughs> like it had little rocks going all the way to the closet. And I've hidden in the closet with my, with my awesome. kids. And then we, like, popped out. I almost think I want to be, like, outside and have her text me. And I'll come and ring the doorbell and have Dad go answer it or something like that. Yeah, we need to talk about this. Because yeah. there's got to be something really, really good. We've done some pretty good ones in my family. You have to give me some tips. That's good. I just don't want to give him a heart attack or anything, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I can't handle that right now. No. You've had enough stuff going on. <laughs> so anyways, long story wow. short, there's so many other nuggets, but I want to honor your time too. No, but, no, this is You know, this, this is, is like, this is the, all of those things are just things that added up to, I also dated a, a pro baseball player for three years. What? I did that whole life for three years too, from the age of 18 to 21, and traveled with him everywhere and had to wear the little suits and sit in the wives section and do the, that whole thing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So what has been your... Which is, again, like, polar opposite. Like, literally, yeah, take, you, you, I just got out of drug rehab. I was a stripper, trying not to be a stripper anymore. So I started working at Hooters in Clearwater Beach, which is where this baseball team spring training. And then I met him. And then he's like, do you want to move to Philly with me and while, while I'm, you know... And I'm like, sure, I'll go. And I'm like, Pfft. like, I didn't even, like... I've, I've, I lived, I've lived all over the place. What has been the biggest lesson for you? 
Oh. In all of this. There's not one specific thing. It is radical self-forgiveness mm -hmm. and self-compassion. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the self-love and self-compassion is my continued daily practice. Mm -hmm. That's my biggest thing. Mm -hmm. You know? How do you define forgiveness? Um, forgiveness is all for me. This is for me. Forgiveness has nothing to do with the other person. It just doesn't. Because most of the people that I've had to do the deepest forgiveness work with have no idea how hurt I am. They're not thinking about it. Right. I've been holding it. What, what do they say? It's like unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. Yeah. Anger. Anger is like, yeah. Anger is like drinking poison. And, yeah. um... So there's all different types of forgiveness processes I've gone through and different ways that I've worked with it. And I've written letters and I've done energy work. And, you know, I think all of them have served me specifically in, in that time with whatever it is I was moving through. You know, a lot of it, most of it is with my family. I always say that my family are my biggest teachers. Every single one of them, my both my parents and all five of my siblings and then all the, everybody else, you know, from there, they're all. They've all been perfectly assigned to me to teach me deep, deep lessons mm -hmm. and how I can go out into the world and, and love truly is the answer because it has been the serum that has continuously brought us back to each other, even in the midst of really, really tough uh, separation from, with the religion. Mm -hmm. And it's beautiful. It's not easy, and it's not how I want it to be, you know? We don't, we don't have the, the family dynamic that I would like to have with them and with my own family one day, but it's almost like I take what I can get because it's way more than what, what a lot of other uh, people in organized religions like that go through when they're excommunicated or disfellowshipped. They literally never get to see or talk to their family again. So do you, are your parents still practicing? Yes. So you're just your parents or anybody else? My parents, family? my older brother, my oldest brother and my oldest sister. Yes. And they, they still, they open arms to you. Uh, my sister home. open arms to me. She's the one I moved in with when I was younger. Right. She and I are super tight. Uh, my, my mom and dad are, my mom is much more open, but my dad is, has a very high responsibility. So he's not as close to us mm -hmm. because he really puts his, he's an, el he's an elder. So it's like a very high position mm -hmm. so it's a lot of pressure on him yeah um there's parts of me that don't like it don't understand it don't dig it could never treat my loved ones that way but there's also a, a part in order for me to be okay and love anyways I have to just accept it for what it is and take what I can get and leave the fucking rest man otherwise it'll make me sick yeah because I I I don't believe what they believe but I have massive respect for them being married 53 years, raising all of us that way, and still standing firm in an unshakable faith that to them is life and death. Right. So that's none of my business whether or not I believe it or not. Yep. yep. You know what I'm saying? I totally know what you're so saying. So it's like... A thousand percent. I get, I get to step away and let them have what they have. Right. You know what I mean? And then I can still stand in love, but I just don't have conversations with them about religion. Right. right. We just don't go there. Right. Because it's not a productive thing. Thousand percent here, yeah, yeah. But but it's like soft, open heart, big, tall fence. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I love Daniel Laporte says that, and that's how I am with my family. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
And it works. It does work. You're going back there. Like, you get to go and experience. Yeah. Here's the thing that that does also is that that allows you to have an experience here on Earth right now that's also, it's beautiful for you. And it's teaching you something. For sure. Right? Like, there's, it's, to me, the thing that's really difficult for me is as a divorced woman, Mm -hmm. right? And could I hate on my ex-husband? Yes. Are you kidding me? I've had people that have judged me because I don't hate him. Because you're still not angry because enough. Because I'm, I'm still not angry enough. And yeah. I'm like, look, I processed my anger. Yeah. And for me, I was just having this conversation last night at the date. Yeah. I said, you know, I don't want to sit in that. I don't want to sit in the anger. It doesn't I would, feel good. It doesn't. No, it sucks. It'll start I to make it, you sick. Right. And I, I, it literally actually does make you sick. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you study any of... What happens to your cells and you're in you're at the internal side of you you will actually get sick like that's where cancer stems from there's sure. so many things that happen there and i don't want to sit in the anger i mean i would so much rather sit in the forgiveness and the love and the compassion does that mean that i don't get angry sometimes of course i get angry of course i do i go through that i go through my moments of like I'm really pissed off at you right now, and it's probably best if you just step away, yeah. right? Yeah, or yeah. I step away. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's my choice. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean that I'm not going to come back to that place yeah. of forgiveness and love again. Yeah. Because they did a lot of harmful stuff. Sure, and that's just you honoring yourself. Right, absolutely. Yeah. And this is my process. And is it right for everybody? No, I'm never going to judge somebody on it. I'm not going to judge. I wouldn't, if, you know, you ended up having friends that you know or another family that you know where they couldn't do what you're doing Mm -hmm. you're not going to judge them on that and like that's your path i have siblings who don't do what i do i have siblings who are so in rage and anger and blame and shame and victim with the exact same way i was raised right we were raised exactly the same yeah and you know and i feel badly that that's their experience but that's also been a choice right right that's their journey that's that's their journey and then that is how they are choosing to move through life with it but for me i really believe that there was so much healing that began the day i overdosed yeah my life began again and the healing started then when the religion was taken out of the equation for a moment and my parents were reminded just to love. Yeah. And so it started then. You know, and then also through the 12 steps, when I, you know, when I went through the 12 steps, you make amends. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and amends is a really beautiful thing because I was able to apologize to all of my family members and people in my life, my mom and dad, where, where I had been selfish and where I had done things wrong and lied and yeah. cheated or whatever. And that was freeing for me. Yeah. yeah. You know, and then that opened like this portal of more love and more availability with me and my family. And if it wasn't for that seemingly horrible thing that happened to me at 17, we could call it this horrible accident that almost killed me. And it was, oh my God, I was a drug addict. No, it was an unnecessary thing that needed to shake up the paradigm of my fucked up family. Yeah. It needed to like, it needed to remind them of what the truth of all of us is that we love each other. Yeah. And that's really what that was. And I have been that presence ever since with them. Mm-hmm. Unbeknownst to me and unbeknownst that this was the plan. And people are like, how can you, how can you have that, those feelings about them? How, how are you not so mad? I'm like, because I just choose not to be. Yeah. Yeah. Because you know? it gave you the existence who you are today. Yeah. It gave, me, well. gave me the capability and the openness to be who I choose to be. Right. Know? Right. The right. availability. Yep. Yep. Totally. That was, yeah. 
it's so it's wow mine was at 17 too that's mm-hmm. I'm sitting here listening to you and I'm like, damn, what was with 17? Mm-hmm. But I exact same thing. I had, you know, that was my my big shakeup was at 17 mm-hmm. when I was raped and found out I was pregnant. And yeah. it was like, profound. what, what the hell? Now what am I going to do? And having to sit there and, and face all of those things, you know, if it was, am I going to have an abortion? Am I going to? There were just so many things that happened in that one year of my life. That's actually when I had the hug from God. Mm-hmm. I was sitting in church and I remember sitting there thinking to myself, I don't know if I'm ever going to get through this. I feel so alone. I had a moment. I remember where I was in the church, what pew I was in. I remember who was sitting next to me. And I remember just literally feeling like I was the most alone person, not seen, not heard, mm-hmm. like I didn't exist. But yet I'm carrying this child. And I had these arms wrap around me. Obviously, there wasn't anybody around me. Yeah. Like, my, my parents were there. It wasn't their arms. Yeah. And I felt this overwhelming feeling of absolute pure mm, love. Beautiful. And you are held, and you are safe, and you are going to get through this. Mm. And from there, that's when I started having, you know, yeah. the, the downloads of, yeah. you're going to write a book someday. You're going to be sitting on stage. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. so many things that happened. Mm-hmm. I had so many downloads and so many hits of, like, wow, okay. This is what all of this is about. I get it. I get it. Now, clearly, I had to go through an awful lot of stuff sure, in order to too. get to where I had to I've been today. getting downloads for a long time. Like, I'm like, you know what I mean? Like, there was like, I don't know what I'm going to do with that. Well, right. And that was even when I had this hit of a book. And I was like, well, when is this going to happen? Well, I don't, didn't realize that I had to go through all of this other Me experience too. in I my life. I was told I should write a book uh, when I was like 20 years old about mm-hmm. everything that happened. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, yeah, that's cool. But I didn't realize that I had way all more chapters other, seriously I had all this other stuff and then I was like oh now it's all now it all makes sense yeah. now it's like you can put the pieces together the breadcrumbs mm-hmm. yeah you can put the breadcrumbs together and look back and go oh now it makes sense to me yeah. and it kind of did at the time you know you kind of knew you were like hmm but now you can actually fully see it it's like mm-hmm. I get it now I see how I got to where I am yeah and that's about honoring all of those steps too it's honoring the 17-year-old self. It's saying, you yes. know what, girlfriend? That was one badass chick mm-hmm. back at 17. That handled that went, it. That went through all of that. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about you. Like, oh, This yeah. is, like, so, oh, yeah. that's amazing. I honor her, man. I don't know how. That was, that was really scary. Like, when I think about it, I'm like, wow, that was really scary. Mm-hmm. And in the midst of it, I can clearly remember so much joy and fun too yeah yeah you know like going through the process of you know just reconnecting with my family and getting my GED and you know graduating from rehab which was this big party which for me was a big deal right you know what right, I mean right, like right, the, right. those were milestones for me at the time you know what I mean celebrations I, there were I was, celebrations yeah. out of all of that and having a relationship with my parents again which was huge yeah wow I was detached from them for almost two years so it was a lot had happened in all that time, and, you know, it's just transformation and healing is absolutely possible. It just mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's beautiful that... I commend you. We can, like, talk about this stuff now, and it's totally cool. I so commend... It's so cool. Mm-hmm. It's so cool. I'm sure that there are a lot of people out there going, yes, I totally get that. I yeah. totally get that. Totally. I commend you, and I commend your 17-year-old... I thank your 17-year-old self. For literally seeing everything as she did and for overcoming all of what she did. 
and yeah. for taking those brave and courageous steps to get to where she is today. Thank you. I'm still taking them. I have my teddy bear from when I was 17 Aww. that I sleep with every night. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I know, right? That's so sweet. You got to grab that. Yeah. I, 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 I'm actually not kidding. I really do. I don't. I, I really, really I do, I too. <laughs> my kids are like, are you ever going to let that thing go? I'm like, nope. no. This is my teddy no. bear from when I was 17. That was your whoopee. It was my, I got it for Christmas. Yeah. When I was 17. I was pregnant, 17, and that was my Christmas present for my parents, and I still have it. My mom had her first of six children at 17. She got Whoa. pregnant at 16, had Monique at 17. Wow. But that was back in the day when you couldn't stay in high school, so she had to drop out. Mm, wow. That's sad. That's so sad. It's very different now, but... So sad. So what is the one piece of um, nugget that you would like to leave for the listeners? Mm. Or any type, of, any type of nugget that you would like to share? It can be more than one. I would just say, for many. me personally... There is so much strength and there's so much power in asking for help. Mm, yep. Because so many years I didn't know how and I was afraid to and I thought I had to do it all on my own. And once I learned how to develop that muscle of asking for help when I need it, support, a prayer, a, finding a coach, finding a great therapist, whatever this, finding a spiritual community that connect with all of the above, you know, I think that that's where, you know, we can really start to step into the healing and the freedom yeah. that we were born to live in. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here and for doing this with me. Yeah. And I know you have to go and run errands and then pack and do all the things. And I'll get I'm it gonna, done. You're going to get it done. I'm going to give you a couple of like little, my own nuggets of how to surprise your family because I've done that many times. Yes. Myself. I would love that. That's awesome. Love it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We, we, will, we will be seeing each other again very soon. Very soon. And I am going to put at the end of this all of your, um, how people can contact yeah. you, connect with Beautiful. you. Do you want to share right now, though? And then I'll also put it at the uh, end. Sure. My, my website is uh, just my name, MelanieMcCulley.com. And my Instagram is my name, Melanie, at Melanie McCulley. And my Facebook is... Uh, Soul Fit, which is the name of my company. Because the other thing I didn't tell you, I used to do fitness competitions. So, what? <laughs> yes. I did, I did I'm going to have you back. Yeah, I did. There's just. So, I was really what? into fitness and, and my, and like I wanted my own mindfulness cooking show and I wrote a, wrote a show and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, that's a whole, that was a whole other part of my life too, which is awesome. So, Soul Fit came from that when wow. I started having women's meditation groups based around uh, soulful, mindful living. I did that for seven years out of that house. No kidding. Yeah. I didn't know that. It was like clean eating. It was like food and yeah. So soul fit came through me through meditation because it's more than just being fit like body wise, but it's like being fit from like the inside out. Inside out. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. So that name's always stuck. So yeah, that's how, that's how connect with me. And I work with people one-on-one. Yeah. So, and I love that. So I work with people either in person or uh, on the phone or over zoom and. Yeah, awesome. I have a new ministry being launched in February at Agape, which is free. You can come to once a month called the Freedom Path, which is a beautiful wow. one-hour support group for anyone wanting to develop a spiritual practice to let go of any attachment, belief, or addiction. Cool. And then um, I'm also starting a new uh, monthly uh, meditation group at the Healing Collective in Manhattan Beach. Oh, very cool. Yeah. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. I just don't want them in my living room anymore. 
That's fantastic. I want to open it up more to the public. Congratulations. Know? That's super cool. So 2020 is where it's at. 2020 is so where it's at. I'm, yes. Yeah. Thank, thank you. On that one. Thank you. Okay. Thank mm. you for being here. And, um, yeah. Here's to saying, Here's to saying a, a loving bon voyage to 2019. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I love you. Friends, thank you for listening to the Live Boldly podcast. I am grateful to have you here, and I would love to invite you over to sarahschultoncrans.com to grab my free seven steps to a joy-filled life. I share these seven steps from my own heart, soul, and experience. These steps transformed my own life from victim to survivor. Also, please, let's all be a ripple effect of change in today's world. I ask of you to please share this podcast with others that may need to be inspired or who need to hear from others going through where they are right now. To grow this podcast, please leave an iTunes review, go to my Instagram or Facebook page, and let me know what you think. I love hearing from each and one of you. I love sharing your thoughts, messages, and inspiring words. Because we are not alone in this world, friends. Let's keep the ripple moving. It begins with each one of us. I love you and have a great remainder of your day. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.